we're going to be taking you through the progress of our black comedy feature film. Who are you, by the way? Nobody, nobody knows who we are. <laughs> what this is, is a DIY cinema podcast for DIY filmmakers. The idea is that you don't wait for permission, you just start. This is our first feature film, something we're going to do together. Uh, you're going to get it warts and all. <laughs> <laughs> so we just go into it. I kind of think we could. This is DIY Cinema Cult. Hello, Mark. Hey, how are you doing? Back in your shed? We're, we're back in the shed. And you know what I was doing recently? I was listening to the the last episode. Yeah. And uh, I realised it was so long ago that we yeah. describe how it's Narnia outside. Do we really? We oh, do. Yeah. And now basically it's summer <laughs> outside. Last time we were using the uh, oh snow God. outside as our kind of as ice, ice cabinet for oh, our drinks yeah we are going to speed these up aren't we these episodes we're going to make more of them there's gonna be less of yeah a gap, i think we've got a few excuses though haven't we as to why do, yeah. it's taken us a little while. unfortunately we had a, a slight kind of medical issue yeah, you, <laughs> so, you were rushed to hospital weren't you i was rushed to hospital and a sign of our impending kind of age getting worse and worse <laughs> Is that uh, unfortunately uh, I got a kidney stone? Oh no! Which is basically the most painful thing I've ever experienced. Oh, um, and it, it's a little bit like waking up um, suddenly thinking, "Oh, I've got a bit of a tummy ache," <laughs> and about ten seconds later, screaming at my partner, "Fucking, hell, I'm going to die!" <laughs> and vomiting a lot mm. until the kids. Oh, my God. We're literally going, Daddy, Daddy, are you going to die? What's happening, Daddy? Yeah, in the space of about 10 seconds. Oh, my God. Um, and then, you know, ambulance came along and I had uh, gas and air, and that kind of took the edge off. Bloody hell. A little bit. And then uh, and I was in hospital, so that kind of put the mockers on our last episode. Because you weren't able to drink for a little bit, so that, that put a... A kind of kibosh on the Boonwell martini. Yeah, the but we and and in fact, you know, I've only really started having a drink in the last kind of few weeks mm. or two. So yes, the idea of a somewhat drink-related kind of evening yeah. or, and podcasting kind of put it was put to the back burner and as a consequence we're not quite going full martini no we kind of we've kind of gone gin and gin and tonic tonight gin and, gin and tonic which is a kind of leisurely uh, all be almost a health drink yeah i don't I, I want us to we'll get back into the full martini experience again because that was quite interesting i don't want this to be like th this podcast to become a bit like our band that we were in oh smiley, yeah smiley smiley nice nice where we got together and recorded one song and then that was the end of it. it it was a good song yeah it was brilliant but it was kind of this is kind of as i was walking down the street it was very reminiscent of of that yeah i thought no let's we're gonna make at least we're two gonna of these do two things two yeah and then maybe even another and i think yeah i think uh we'll get back up to speed so yeah, my, my my kidney stone has passed according to well i'm actually checking tomorrow for sure yeah um 
and and I should get it, get the all clear and uh, and not that's nice not to say that this is all about drinking, of course. Oh no no no, it's all about. I mean, we do have a very big job we're trying to do, which is actually make a make a film, make, make a feature film, make a feature film. But we've also got a bit distracted in the making the film that we've been talking about it by we've kind of other doing other things. Yeah yeah. So what, what have you been up to over there? Well, I I've just been doing. Uh, I mean, I've been doing obviously the sort of paid kind of commercial work that that I spend a lot of my time doing commercials, campaign films, um, that sort of stuff, which keeps me in shed uh, and power. But uh, I've also been making a documentary about the early 90s uh, free party scene. Oh, nice one. Um, And it's a very interesting story because it goes really from you know, the first kind of acid house raves and that kind of thing that that a lot of people know about to something that people don't know so much about, which is where those parties kind of turned into free parties and went out into the countryside and kind of glued and joined up with the traveller, the new age traveller kind of movement. And, um, And as a consequence, it built and built and built. And it was this kind of second wave of rave, if you like, Built and built and built up to a very famous, the the largest ever um, illegal rave in in you know in history, really called Castle Morton, and it was right. a, something that I actually nearly went to, uh, and I will always have the sense of uh, something I missed <laughs> as I got back to London and was and discovered I turned on the telly and there was all my friends on the news at this enormous illegal oh. rave, but as a consequence. Um, they brought in a very, very heavy bit of legislation called the Criminal Justice Bill, mm-hmm. which have effectively closed down the potential for for illegal raves and illegal parties in this country for, for decades. So it's an interesting story. So I've been doing a lot of nice interviews for that. And I, How I, much stuff have you got now, do you reckon? I've probably shot about 10 interviews. Nice. I've got another one tomorrow, and uh, I've been in Berlin doing stuff for with a, a very famous underground a uh, sound system called Spiral Tribe, so yeah. mysterious cult-like organisation. Yeah. But you've been busy too. I have. Well, it's been so long since our last podcast that I have made a baby with my lovely lady. Yeah, so I made a kidney stone <laughs> and you made a baby. <laughs> I mean, I like you know there is a gestation period of nine months or so, so we haven't done actually have the baby with us yet. That would be quite will, impressive to knock would, it out between yeah. podcasts. But amazing! But Congratulations! Yeah, another five months time, and we'll have a, we be, will be with child. That's incredible! So, and you've moved house, moved house, done that as well, and then also finished up a documentary I was shooting, yeah, um, called The Chewing Gum Man, which is all about an artist called called Ben Wilson who's from North London up here, and he uh, paints beautiful miniature portraits on chewing gum that people have spat out onto yeah. the pavement. Um, and he's a very, very lovely, eccentric guy, and I've been shooting with him for about the last year. And about a month ago, we finished the doc, and we we sent it actually to um, the Art House Cinema, local independent cinema, just to get a sc- a screening basically it's to I was asking how much it would be to screen the film as a one-off to show Ben and his family and get all our mates together yeah. to see it and they lo- they watched it liked it and they and they programmed it and 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 put put tickets on sale and offered us 50% of box office it's oh, amazing which kind of opened my eyes to then thinking well you know it really opened my eyes to what we're about to do with our yeah. feature and DIY theatrical releases that you could do through independent 
cinemas around London, up and down the country, because lovely guy Jack at Art House, um, he was very, very obliging and loved the film, really helpful. And I'm sure there's other people like him out there who could kind of take on a film, yeah. give it, essentially it was a night by night basis. They give you a night, if you sell well, they give you another night and it just runs on like that. And it's just That's a amazing. way to kind of get a bit of revenue back on make a bit of your budget back and so how many uh, screenings have you had so far so that we had three mm. so i was away in in berlin as well actually recently so i was away for the third one so i've no idea how that went but the first two were great and they were sold out yeah because ben's like a local uh he's a kind of a local kind of, 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 of yeah of a sort he's a folk hero he's a I folk hero yeah so the first two screenings were completely sold out which was fantastic mm. I've no idea what, how the third one did because I wasn't around. I've been trying to promote the other, the first two on yeah. social media and stuff. And I wasn't really around for the third one. So I don't really know how, how it went down. But it's been amazing. Mm. And now we're sending it to festivals and yeah. hopefully it's going to get a good run this next year. Yeah, I think there's something, I mean, talking about the DIY thing, because I think we both uh, had this experience with narrative filming, you know, fiction film working in, mm. the, in that... Um, it's great that you can have a lot of ideas, that you can write them, you can sit and you can script, you can have conversations. Me and you can do yeah. brainstorming development about... Um, but uh, unfortunately, there are so few funding bodies out there yeah. that kind of give you the chance to make that thing. So you've either got to be extremely independently wealthy, stumble across a sugar daddy or mummy, yeah. or you're best friends with the BFI. And that's kind of... It, right? yeah so yeah yeah the thing about uh you doing this it, uh, and also in a way documentary making is that you can just sort of go and do it yeah and it was kind of a nice experience i'd never i'd never developed uh, delivered a, a dcp file to a cinema before and and, and, and had all that experience. So for people who don't know what that is yes essentially it's it's a it's a series of files actually that are that are that work within the the programming system or that cinemas run their films on mm. so essentially files that would drop in audio and vision and picture files that are very high quality you know cinema quality that also that work with their projection systems but then also work within their kind of programming systems their kind of screening programs and i mean it was probably only about <clears throat> three four years ago that that anybody could even figure out how to make one of these and yeah. now how did you do it I mean, well you can do it through premiere now which is mm. incredible i mean I, I, I still i mean it's i need to get one but i didn't have a dcp player so i could make the file but not play it back right so it was quite exciting and terrifying yeah. to go and watch it on it the first work? screening and i hadn't actually seen it on the big screen yet i was like well i'd made a little file and i sent it off and fingers crossed the fingers crossed it works but, but it looked great and it, i mean yeah, yeah i was really pleased i was really pleased it was a it was a really nice combination of a sort of something that was local and a cinema that's very mm. supportive of of um of local work and you know uh but at the same time something that i think will appeal to a lot of people so yeah because um, um, i think he's got this as a as an artist he's got this kind of as we say he's a local folk hero but he's now got some kind of international following and there's a lovely moment mm. in the film where there's a bunch of sort of spanish students yeah, who, big, who know about him big group of argentinian mm. school kids who came mm. over and they all kind of knew him and they're all cheering and it was very, a very lovely moment and ben loved it the fact that i captured that because he's you know he sees it from inside so he was very shocked to see it from a quite a subjective point yeah. of view uh objective point of view and it was like he was he couldn't quite 
he was quite taken back by it because it just did look wonderful. All these kids, it was like a little Beatlemania moment. They were oh, it cheering was, it and was you know, gorgeous. Yeah, and I mean, yeah. he made them a little painting of his own. Yeah, and yeah. that's that's like the the most wonderful thing that will happen to them during their immortalised during their trip. Yeah, and a lovely moment in your film yeah, as well. Yeah. Yeah. You are listening to And so what about routine? Where where do we think we are? We, we, we did have a chat a little bit before I had my little tiny uh, four millimetre baby. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we had a chat about kind of how challenging it was to, to make a feature film and maybe there are ways that we can build up. Maybe we can start to create something in the world yeah. of that movie that we can get going with and maybe that's a few different formats we were talking a little bit about web series yeah, and stuff, yeah in, in the chats we had after the last podcast we were kind yeah. of talking about web series weren't we something that feels like it's within the world that could act as some kind of proof or kind of insurance in the and an idea a kind of a proof of concept i suppose in a, in a way yeah um, we, were, we were talking about maybe it introduces some of the characters that are in the yeah. film um, and that maybe it literally occupies the same space, as in it yeah. could be backstage at the same same comedy night, or and and we thought of it as a way to both generate an audience, potential mm. audience for the for the feature coming up, and obviously that social media and um, uh, potentially you know as a web series, it could be something on YouTube or the like that yeah. has an episodic nature yeah yeah and uh, that episodic nature is something that that obviously feeds well into to kind of um lo-fi productions yeah yeah absolutely. we can shoot when we've got a great idea and we've got great contributors but yeah. also maybe start to build up our potential cast yeah i mean i kind of went back to all the kind of stand-up people i knew and just kind of shouted them out and they were quite keen on they were really really keen on doing things like a web series or just shooting anything really so we kind of had that idea uh, and we had a few other ideas you were talking about this um this pirate thing which i think feeds into the diy yeah so i remember we were talking i was talking a while ago about um i read a brilliant book called be more pirate by um sam Confif conif elende i hope that's his name pronounced de- he's definitely got that right yeah, yeah. i've definitely nailed so Sam Conifalende, if you're, listening, if you're yeah. listening, please do send us an email and correct and then <laughs> and also comment on whatever Mark's about to yeah. say about your art. Yes, yes, please do. It, no, I loved, I absolutely loved his book. And it was about, it was basically an approach to, it could be anything, a business um, venture, a creative venture, but it was the idea that he took the, the kind of starting point of the pirate code uh, and the pirate mentality in um uh, as, as a way to kind of create an attitude and a kind of inspiring nature um uh, for any kind of business startup yeah uh, and i was kind of reading it as well a film crew a film project yeah and so it was a fantastic book and and, and he he was very much about building your own manifesto as pirates did mm. what i loved about the book was quite historically as well pirates are fascinating characters because mm. You know, back in the days when pirates were kind of ruling the seas, countries like, you know, great cities like London, there was no organised police force and there yeah. was a sense of quite lawlessness and and, and, um, and craziness going on, on on the streets. Yeah. Um, and on a pirate ship, 
that kind of lawlessness was just condensed even, even further. So what they had to do in order to control these kind of bunch of 100 or 150 men on a tiny ship in the middle of the ocean was they had to stick and abide by quite strict rules and codes in order to get A to B and to, to, to make the money they needed to make and mm. to, to get what they wanted out of it. And so even though the boats were often full of runaways, criminals, and people running from various dodgy situations, yep. they all had to abide by these rules. And, and it was a very strict kind of set of rules and a manifesto that they all stuck to. Mm. And um, he was just kind of applying this nature of manifesto to business ventures. And mm. I kind of find, find it fascinating. I think, I think something, I mean, I really love the idea of a, of a sort of pirate venture and I think it strangely ties into the documentary that I'm doing and, and mm. meeting these people who, who are quite inspiringly DIY and in fact one of the sound yeah. systems is even called DIY a very famous sort of Nottingham yeah. um, sound system and uh, Spiral Tribe the other one and Bedlam they, they, they all had a pirate mentality yeah. obviously pirate radio was part yeah. of that but also it was just this idea of like don't wait for anybody to give you the the uh license to go and do something yeah. just go and do it and make it safe don't do anything that's dangerous and uh well don't know about completely about dangerous but <laughs> but mm. don't, don't do anything that is harmful to other people and try to leave no damaging trace yeah. but at the same time just get up and do it and um i think it's in this sort of era where in a way particularly with sort of any creative ventures you've got all of these platforms in a way in the middle um which can be both uh helpful as in yes yeah. you can get your stuff out there on youtube and vimeo but at the same time um there is still a, an enormous issue with sort of distribution of creative work and yeah. and all of that and you know the the only things people ever notice is the stuff that gets pushed right to the forefront yeah. so the only reason we're really seeing anything popping up in on the youtube algorithms is it studied us yes and, yeah, it's, of and it also has commercial uh, impulses behind it so so there's you know but but sort of going back to the pirate thing for for this film i think that just having that attitude of nobody is gonna really do it for you and we yeah. can't expect the bfi to kind of drop a, yes. million, a million quid for us um we've got to just start making things yeah and another thing um my old mucker sam conifalande uh, mentions in his book is that the idea that these pirates used to build up images around themselves and stories around themselves right. that would carry forward and yep. almost get their work done for them people would buy into these images and, and often image that we buy into of a pirate is kind of quite a crazy guy very violent yeah you know swashbuckling and he's got his sword out and he's kind of chopping here and chopping there but actually pirates weren't very violent um but they act but they kind of operate under a kind of image that of, yeah. of fear and intimidation but yeah, they yeah. weren't actually it was against their rules to beat it was actually against their ethos and against actually against their business plan they need to be fully fit and fully operational yeah. to get their work done yeah and so going into battle having any kind of altercation violently of any kind was against that that kind of their kind of against. system that they had in place yeah so they operated on image story legend and he was all about within business, within, within a creative or business venture, create a kind of story around yourself that people can buy into and feel yep. like they're kind of kind of interested in. Well, I think, you know, a part of that might well be in terms of sort of generating a, a world around a movie. And I think yeah. this, this is something that that people could probably um, all gain from is, uh, I mean, it's it's a, a hackneyed idea to a certain extent, but kind of 
creating or generating a brand there's a there's a it's a sort of dirty word to a certain extent but it's something that's obviously extremely necessary and having a kind of potent visual side to that that people can immediately go ah that's yeah. what they are that's what they're all about yeah is it seems to me to be kind of really important so so we're at some point going to kind of have to get our visual side of things together properly yeah. in the social media side whether there's a website set up yeah I think um, so. for potential funders and what have yeah. you it's interesting what you said about waiting for funding and waiting for permission mm. as well because yeah i mean i've been doing that a lot in in the past and kind of just sending off submissions and and you know and pitch documents to, to this and that and and you get a no and then that's kind of the end of it you're kind of crestfallen and yeah. you kind of almost you think, stop oh, I'm trying. Shit. yeah and then, um, actually i remember the chewing gum man i remember applying for funding yeah a, maybe three or four years ago to some kind of funding body or, or what have you, and and I hadn't even made contact with Ben, the artist yeah. yet. But I just thought this would be a good idea for a documentary. This is a cool idea. And I was, you know, now I can see I was doing the whole thing backwards. Yeah. I was kind of trying to get the money first, then I'd go to Ben with the money, and he'd be impressed, yeah. and then he'd want to make the documentary. And actually knowing him, he wouldn't have been impressed. He would have been scared by that. Mm -hmm. and so the fact that I ended up just chatting him on chatting him up on the street and getting yeah. becoming friends with him. And I, I made it with no money. Um, yeah, was completely the right way to do it, and it's just proved proved that fact. Well, li likewise, the uh, the people that you know are involved in this rave documentary are, you know, for very good reason, suspicious of mainstream media. They've had yeah. they've had experiences in the past where people have effectively tried to make them look either lawless or foolish or whatever it is, or you know, a bad influence, and. Um, and so I obviously came from the perspective of somebody who is very much trying to tell a sort of people's story. Yeah, yeah. Um, and they did certainly take to the idea of the fact that I've just got up and done this. Yeah. And uh, I literally spent my own money to go to Berlin to go and meet them. Yeah. Um, so and they trust you, then it's a trusting. Yeah. And I think there's just something, what I think more and more is something just powerful about just starting something, even yeah. though you really haven't got the security that you would normally have had in the traditional media of, you know, yes, there's a commissioner or there's somebody who's giving you the money. Just get going. Mm -hmm. And on that route, you will find the next way to get to the next stage. Yeah. Um, not waiting for, for permission then needs to go on our manifesto. Not mate, yeah. So that's that's it. That's that's definitely that's definitely like in our in our top five. You are listening to the debut feature film podcast. This is DIY Cinema Cult. We've talked a little bit about. The, the pirate thing which I think is a really cool idea and we talked a little bit about the idea maybe of sort of generating an audience and generating um, yeah. potential uh, kind of collaborators on a project but um, what what do you think we need to do next for routine what's well, our well, next plan I th my next step is I, I, I want to go back in and, and just do a re uh, not a rewrite just a, a new draft I just feel that I haven't reread the last one for quite a while yet. I'm yeah. kind of putting it off because I want to actually do a bit more uh, just working out in my head. I feel like the end is exactly right where yep. it needs to be. I just feel currently there's a bit of rewiring that needs to be done in the middle. 
because I feel like currently the end the is tricky, right. The tricky middle. The end is right, but I feel like I'm pushing the character towards the end. Whereas mm-hmm. what I want to happen is I want to feel like that the 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 character is just being you know is being driven emotionally towards the end. Yeah. I feel like I'm shoehorning it a bit. So I just need a bit of rewriting in the beginning and middle just to make sure that end. Yep. It's fully, it's fully, fully impactful. So I'm kind of going to do a bit of note taking and writing, and then I'm going to do a reread of what we've got, and then a rewrite in the next couple of weeks, and just get that script quite tight in the new, in the next draft. Yep. So we've got something quite solid. And what about uh, what about sort of coming up with, I suppose, some sort of idea around casting a uh, casting? Yeah, and I mean, we we had a we had a thought the other day, didn't we? Uh, yes. Somebody he... popped into the into the newspaper, and we thought, "Oh, wow, yes. this is Don." Oh yeah, it did. We can't. We should, probably should mention, should we? But it was someone in the news. A well-known uh, TV comedian. TV who comedian who was on the rocks a bit. Who who was quite severely on the rocks, and um, we thought, "Wow, he'd be fantastic." Fantastic. He kind of is almost already Don, but yeah, in a way, maybe too much Don. Too maybe much. he is. Someone who's completely Don wouldn't be able yeah. to maybe perform Don. I don't know. Do you know? No. What I mean? Now, obviously, Don as a character is—he's um, down on his luck, but he's not necessarily like a kind of drug addict, boozy kind of no, person. No, he, he's not. He's, he's just—he's a bit of—he's had a couple of drinks, but he's not uh, yeah. necessarily gone down that road. But one—oh, one thing I would like to talk about: someone mm. who may be, well, pretty much will be in our film is our mutual friend Luca. Oh yeah. Who, uh, I sent you that ad. Uh, amazing. He, so we've, we've got a friend called Luca who we've made a, quite a few shorts with. And he's a, he's Basically, a Mark always writes a part that's <laughs> perfect for Luca into he's literally lo- everything. He's he does. a lovely man. He's, he's a lovely actor. But he has landed this part in. He's been in lots of brilliant things. He's been in Peaky Blinders and he was in Rush, uh, Ron Howard movie, and a couple of other things besides. But he's literally just landed a part in uh, the new Warburton's Bagel advert, which sounds shitter than it, it sounds, actually is. It sounds shit until you. It sounds shit until you hear that he's actually doing scenes with uh, Robert De Niro. And which... this is yeah, this is <laughs> this is not like he's all been put in in CGI afterwards. It's basically like a two-minute kind of gangster movie yeah. in pure all the kind of gangster tropes. It's a kind of remake of. Goodfellas, but Goodfellas with bagels, with bagels. Yeah. and uh, and it's a barrel of laughs. And Luca is classic Luca, yeah. and him, I mean it's every actor's dream, right? What it's, it just happened to Luca? It's pretty fantastic. Um, so I thought he'd be actually a good guest to have on the podcast. We could have yeah. him in because he could talk about peakies and yeah, stuff like yeah. that, and what it's like on some of the sets he's been on. And well, let's maybe get Luca down for episode three then. Yeah, that'd that be nice. And uh, we we've got a couple of other ideas of sort of um, people down the down the line that might be interesting to talk to, sort of mm. DOPs and yeah. uh, people that again, some people listening to this might not really know the difference or what what it's taken, what it takes to become a kind of a DOP or a or a or, a, or an editor. So we might try and get some guests along, people who are kind of just yeah. talk can talk about general industry stuff in an interesting way and uh, show what kind of a journey they've gone through to get where they are now. Yeah, that'll be good. Cool. Is it time for you? You I'm look gonna... like you've got a bit of a dry glass there. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm still nursing this because okay, I'm being I'm gonna... healthy. All right. Because I've, I've, I've had a... You don't um, want another kidney stone, mate. Well, yeah, and apparently the main reason for kidney stone is dehydration, of which oh. alcohol isn't necessarily the cause. 
Yeah. But what I but what I did discover was um, that uh, you should, and this is true of everybody, mm. drink three liters of liquid gin. a day. And I'm not talking gin. I'm talking basically water. Three liters. Do you drink three liters of water I've a day? I've started to very. I uh, no. I haven't until very recently, and, and until you heard about me and Debbie bought me. Yeah, <laughs> and I saw heard about you having to piss out pebbles, and I thought, no thanks, <laughs> I'm on the water. Trust me, nobody ever wants to go through it. Um, the the usual does it have to come out your ch- chap? <clears throat> yeah, there's oh, nowhere Jesus other. Jesus, they either Christ. they either you you either get it out like that, uh, or Tweezers. they have to go and get it, and oh, the way please. they go and get it is with a. Um, implement you don't they blow in your ear and it fires out your cock uh, well um, one amazing story that somebody uh did tell me uh obviously yeah basically it's got to pass through your ureter didn't even know i had one before and then your urethra and now obviously i've always known about that and it's quite quite a delicate part of the world uh when it comes to uh pain thresholds oh, <clears throat> my God. but um one amazing story somebody did tell me was that um well, basically, you know, you've got to drink loads of water. That's the only way to get it out. If not, they have to operate. You can die if your kidney kind of gets blocked, etc. Bad news. But oh. one funny story was that um, there is apparently a specific uh, roller coaster ride at Disneyland that is yeah. famous for people getting on with kidney stones and then spontaneously leaving their system at a certain zero gravity level oh my god and so if i was getting really desperate and i will find out tomorrow for for sure it's disneyland yeah if they if it's either disneyland or it's a a very invasive piece of nasty surgery (laughs) uh but i thought that would be quite a fun way to to pop a a little kidney stone out so mark you've i think you've poured yourself a drink that's nice yeah sorry Uh, and it might be time for you to pour me one we have got olives. We've got crisps. You set up a lovely bar in the shed, haven't you? It's very yeah. Strong. So has the has the shed changed much from the last time no, you were here? It looks the same. I think. Basically, half the shed is a, is a production office with my edit suite and uh, on all my camera kit. The other is the remnants of the inside of our house, and um, it's got a lot of baby stuff and i'm just going to give it all to you mark yeah well, now you've got a new one on the way there's lovely debbie yeah um who will be our makeup artist i suppose won't she on so our, we've got our film we've got one member of our crew already sorted perfect we should get debbie on because she she would have some funny stories about or maybe she's not allowed to tell her stories again it would be that thing of like you know insert very famous uh yeah. pop star name here who's got 25 million yeah. uh, instagram followers yeah, and De- his Debbie's nasty like, toilet habits. Yes, exactly. So De- uh, Debbie was, was like a uh, makeup artist and did lots of pop stars and stuff, but she did have to sign lots of various um, non-disclosure and, things. Yeah, went on tour with people. So, but maybe yeah. we, she could give some kind of edited. Yeah, we could do a bleeped version or something. Bleeped, bleeped version. Well, <laughs> but, well when you're around Debbie, you have to bleep everything out anyway. <laughs> <laughs> You are listening to DIY Cinema Cult. I think we should just say cheers. Cheers. 
Um, and uh, th- oh god, that's a proper gin one. Though. Sorry, mate. I made it quite strong. That's all right. That's good. Well, let's here's to the next stage. So by next time we kind of come back, what will we have? We'll have a new script. I reckon. A new, we, a new script, and and hopefully maybe we have started to think about, or we've got together some uh, short form kind of development. Whether that yeah. is working with a comedian uh, or a couple of comedians to come up with a sketch or a kind of web series or something yeah. that will kind of create, start to build the world. So I think what we didn't really talk about was as well as sort of building the world, building the audience and building potential collaborators was that a lot of the time you're kind of on your own. Mm. And if you sort of create a network yeah. is that if you get a sense of like, we're all in this together yeah, yeah, and uh, that the people are kind of on on the the journey with you, yeah, making the film, but also uh, they want you to succeed mm-hmm. because you've kind of generated sort of cool things already. Um, so hopefully we'll have got a plan in gear for, for yeah. that first step to, in that direction, and maybe and we'll have sorted the website out. As yeah, well. and also we were saying in terms of. Um, production techniques uh ways of approaching scenes characters you know yeah. if we wanted to try the web series would be a great way for us to try out little techniques little tricks that we might we, we mm. might kind of use utilize in the film yeah the final feature film you know we go right this episode is all done in one shot this episode mm. is all done from such and such perspective or it's done with it's handheld or this one's very smooth or this one's very this and that so it might be just a nice way to play, have a bit of a playground. Experiment, absolutely. And, shoot. and they can only be a couple of minutes long each or mm. something. They don't need to be too long. So. Uh, we have had a couple of discussions about sort of ways to shoot some of the scenes and we kind of thought there was something um, something a little bit kind of uh, on the in the Goodfellas kind of or, you know, Scorsese-ish start to the movie and whether the yeah. start could have that kind of introduction to the world it, whether it was shot as a one take or whether yeah. it was a sense of like you're you're done and you're moving into this kind of comedy world yeah. it feels so, like it yeah because the way the script goes it is done literally starts out in his car he's out in his car and he, he walks into the venue so it feels like it is that we are following him into this yeah and he's the one taking us into that yeah. world this little world the comedy you know you know live comedy kind of venue and it sort of feels like that bit in boogie nights as well where yeah. you go into the club and i was watching that. recently there's a great video of, of all paul thomas anderson's kind of intro shots yeah and a lot of them are this kind of beautiful long follow shot that just brings you into the world and you kind of meet all the characters within one couple of scene within that lasts a, for two minutes and or i three think minutes. as a place as a film that's sort of driven kind of very much well it's all in one location um, I think something like that to kind of introduce yeah. the film, but we're going to do it on an extreme budget, of Very course. Very tight budget. So it's GoPros stuck on someone's head, and, uh, <laughs> on no, my head. Yeah. I'll be the. I'll be done. But I think what what you know, be, bearing in mind the Netflix short attention span experience yeah. of people, kind of flick, flick, flick. There is something to be said, and this is in a way a bit of a kind of observation. I think we've had of starting your movie with a wow mm. and then introducing those characters mm-hmm. that hook people in and then they're in, they're mm. brought into it. So there's definitely something in that, in the, the way we start the film to really draw people in. Yeah. To, 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 and not just as a gimmick at all, but just as a, as a way to really 
get a sense of kind of here we are this yeah. is the characters this is the world and now you're in you're, yeah. you're absorbed by it so and of course what's happening it's a live venue mm. uh, an event's about to take place it's going to start any minute now so there is that kind of ticking kind of excitement to it mm. so that kind of introduction to the film would be perfect yeah. you'd be drawn into it be, we'd be Donald would literally be dragging us in to the you know through the front door up to the stage yeah I think it would work really really well um, I was thinking, <clears throat> I forgot to mention before when we were talking about the um, a DIY theatrical release, you could have, a, it's not even a release, it's all, it could be more like a tour of independent cinemas and it could last for however long you wanted. Mm. It's, it's up to you. I mean, it could be like a festival run. It could last for a year. You yeah. just go around all the independent cinemas. And the other night I was w sitting and watching TV and um, this film came on and it was called Papalopoulos and Sons. Have you heard about this? It's a British movie. I don't know when it was made. Maybe five or six years old. Made by these two brothers. I think they're called the the writer and director. I think is Mark Marku and his brothers Andrew. These two um, sound like Greek brothers. Right. And it was a really really nice movie. And for some reason, I hadn't seen it before, heard yeah. of it before, and I just googled it while I was watching it. And what they did was they made it. The film was made for about eight hundred thousand mm -hmm. what was interesting to me on their wikipedia it talked about they had a special deal with Cineworld or view or a big mm. kind of chain so it wasn't like an independent um and um, just uh, cinema or distributor yeah. it was like a it was kind of a, a chain cinema and there was this one particular uh, you know uh, outlet where they got it in on the screen they gave it one night it sold so well it ended up running for nights and nights and nights wow. and this one, so it just makes you think that even at places like view out or cineworld or picture house yeah there's a way in if you've got a film that kind of interests people or you can build up enough bars online yeah or, so you've got an audience already or community that we're already mm. talking about building mm. up some kind of community that can follow your film from production to to, to, to screening mm. Then there's no way, there's no reason why you can't get it into even a big uh, yep. a, a, a cinema uh, or chain and have them kind of go, well, here's one. You can have Tuesday night, see yeah. how you go with Tuesday night. And if you do well, then you can have a Thursday. And mm. so it kind of got me, kind of got my mind ticking about this film, yeah. you know, at the tail end, how we deal with getting it seen. And I think it's very promising because there are so, the biggest challenge mainly for, for cinema releases. Um, well, actually, for, for any film is to get its cinema released beyond its sort of mandatory two weeks, which is often a kind of trick yeah. by sales agents to mean that it kind of ups the price yeah. for something when Sky put it on box art. Do you know what I mean? It's yes, it, yeah. generally it's it's a kind of a scam thing to get something that has to have two, yeah. it's two week thing. But but this is a more genuine audience driven. And, yeah. and I think this is. More and more, you know, you think, well, I don't, I wasn't interested in the film industry because it's an industry yeah. or a business. I'm interested in making films that talk to people yeah. and communicate to people. Absolutely. And so finding your audience is the most hard, the hardest bit. And maybe there's these new ways that it doesn't just have to be an audience that's on, on a screen at home yeah. or even, you know, on a, on a, on a phone or a streaming service, but that it's, an audience that will go and see it. and the value we all know the value of going to the cinema and the yeah. experience of going to cinema festivals provide one side of that and we love going to festivals and i was at the london short film festival which is quite interesting at the sort of start of the year and there was a real buzz feeling about that um 
but they but they also have their limitations but but to get to a wider audience mm. because festivals appeal to filmmakers generally or people who are interested in movies but they don't necessarily appeal to a wider audience and and for films like like ours uh, both your documentary my documentary and obviously routine there's a clear audience who will yeah tap into <clears throat> it and that's who we want to talk to yeah. yeah it's just getting an audience interested from from now from before we've even started yeah. to kind of go into production just so that they're with us and they build the whole way so that by the time we come to screen it yeah you know we're not start we're not it's not a standing start you know we've got people <clears throat> who are kind of interested who kind of want to see what we've come up with yeah and, Look, and, and i was gonna sorry I was yeah, go for trying it. To you, but I was, <clears throat> I was gonna say that before i um, had this experience with the independent cinema with my documentary <clears throat> and before I saw the uh, Papa Lobbidus and Sons uh, film and heard about what they had their distribution kind of experience I was really kind of thinking wow maybe we will get a distributor and, yeah you know they might stick it on you know but hey we'll probably only get like two days of a week yeah but at least we'll be distribute have a UK release mm. and, and I was thinking you know that wow that would be amazing but no it's awful you're, you're just basically they're just fobbing you off and the fact that you've got distribution might sound fantastic but it's, it's not going to do you're not going to make you any money no. no we're not going to make any budget back on having a distribution that's going to last that is that poor but if we took our distribution into our own hands yeah we would have far more uh chance to kind of make our budget back make money back at the tail end let's do it pirate style pirate style a friend of ours who um was actually one of the people who commissioned our sh first short film. Do you remember um, Dave Watson? Oh, yeah, yes, yeah. yeah. Well, he produced... Uh, so Dave Watson, for our listeners, it was the person who was working at the Haringey Film Office. Yeah, who basically gave us our funds. Gave us our, our shorts, modest it? short film budget. Mm -hmm. um, uh, Mark's first with We Are What We Drink and then mine with um, Mr Talkie's Holiday. But he produced a um, a really interesting documentary with a very again with a very specific audience, and it was about um, graphic design, mm. and it was particularly about the um, the kind of boutique graphic design of a certain kind of era. And um, of course, graphic designers are going to go and watch the movie, and then you could potentially screen that at um, universities, and you could screen mm, that. Yeah. Yeah. at um art centers and so they they did a very big festival run and then they did a, these tailored screenings mm. literally all over the country and and they would do q and a's because that would be part of the package of, of yeah. doing it um they they shot their they made a master they weren't they weren't just sending out duplicates they would turn it into an event and i thought it was very interesting for again for building an audience because every time you turn up at a screening and you yes. talk to about you know the 50 100 people that are there you've got an another group of people that can then be collaborative yeah. co collaborators or people who are interested in your work moving forward well it just goes to show that when people who are behind the distribution really love and care for the film then you're you are going to see the benefits of that in a way i think us i'm hoping that in a way the way we can do this film and that you know our other projects moving forward is that it's we don't do it by the book we do it mm. we do it a little bit pirate we do it a little bit diy we do it a little bit outlaw and hopefully as a result 
we really meet the people who are interested in the films yeah. and we talk to those people properly and we also get what I've always felt about about um, making a film is that there's a there's a, a kind of a passive um, audience experience with you know we both I was in bands and what have you and they mm. get this great thing straight away you make this piece of music play it and then there's somebody in front of you is going yay or they're yeah. going bollocks yeah you yeah. know generally it was the the, the former <laughs> with me but there was definitely a few times where it was the latter um <laughs> but you've got an instant connection with your audience whereas with films you don't really get that and especially you know if you yeah. if you do commission things and what have you a lot of the time it's just it goes online you get a few likes People share it a bit, and that's it. And you think, oh that's god, so is that, true. that's killed me. That has that. It's so true. I mean, this experience yeah. is is more akin to you know a, a bit of artistic expression. You're in front of people. I remember when I made We Are What We Drink, which was a comedy, it was quite a short comedy. Yeah. And I remember it was probably the first com- comedy I, I made, and I fell in love with comedy ever since. But the first experience was terrifying because it's not like a drama where people can sit very silently and solemnly, solemnly and rub their chin and yeah. You know, with comedy, it's only a success if they make a noise out their mouth. Ha ha ha. And then you know you've... Or... (laughs) (laughs) And it was terrifying because it is a very long process and you're kind of doing it on your own and you're editing and you're shooting and then you're editing and then you're screening it. So when you get to the screening, it's like telling a very, very long you know, joke. <laughs> yeah. And it's not until the screening night that a you bit actually like this get the podcast. Laugh. A bit like this podcast. <laughs> a bit drawn out. We'll get to the pump we'll get to the punchline. <laughs> and you know, and luckily I did get laughs. Not all the time, but it, it generally we got laughs. But there were sometimes it didn't get laughs, and it was like, oh my god, it's just yeah. it was terrifying. Yeah. Depending on the audience. There was this bit in the in the film where Ken Collard who's in the movie, um he kind of does this bit of business at the door when he's kind of coming into the coffee shop and there's another actor, Alex Devrian, and he kind of, he's kind of coming in, very tall guy. And they kind of do this little comical thing where they kind of have a bit of a weird, awkward moment at the door. And if people laughed at that bit, I knew you were in. I was in. But when they didn't, I was like, oh, oh shit. Oh, Tough shit. crowd. Tough crowd. Well, this is your, your place, putting all of that into um, yeah. Don's experience now yes. in the movie and um, yeah, for, for the film as a whole. We'll get there, mate. Uh, you you already need a top up. That's uh, quite impressive. We're on. To, is this? Are we actually on to drink number three? I am. Um, I'm going to see I the doctor I was, tomorrow. You, I don't want you pissing out anymore. <laughs> Olive stones. No, I just don't want to make any more. That's. <laughs> I don't mind getting them out. I just don't want to make any more. So we're probably going to wrap it up now. Let's wrap this up. Let's wrap it. So um, fuck this. <laughs> <laughs> And I reckon that once we've got the new script, then we can start showing it to people. I really want to get some actors involved. Yeah. Even if it's not necessarily the actors who are going to be in the roles, it'd be good to start doing some script read-throughs, yeah. just hearing it out loud. Yeah, yeah. And actually, I'm, I'm about to shoot a pilot, not of my own. I'm, I'm first ADing on a pilot. So first AD is generally the bossy bastard on set. <clears throat> and... Uh, uh, another collaborating friend of ours, mm. Harry, who's oh yeah, who maybe would be a good person to be the production designer or art director yeah, yeah. for this film. He's um, he's making a pilot, and uh, so and I went along to the the uh, rehearsal the other day, and um, and it's a comedy as well, and it was um, it it was just very kind of interesting to hear a script come to life. 
from the things that you've read and you had vo- those voices in your yeah, head yeah. as to what they were like and then suddenly there's seven real people speaking those lines yeah injecting all sorts of new things into it and then not getting other bits yes. and you're thinking wow this is great because I'll take all the stuff they've injected into it and you can then kind of ask them to inject back into the bits they've missed yeah. so um so yeah, it'd be great to get some kind of uh, get some actors reading your lines just and breathe a bit of life it into it, really, and just get it moving. Yeah. yeah. So maybe that's one of the things that I can do as producer, is that maybe I can we could organise a script read. All right, mate. All right, mate. Well, until next time. Until next time. <laughs> bye, bye, listeners. Bye, bye, listeners. Sleep, sleep tight and cheers. 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 To Louis. To Louis. <laughs> on twitter at diy cinema cult or on instagram we are diy underscore cinema underscore cult seek out the diy cinema cult group on facebook or why not email us at diy cinema cult at gmail.com